We'll be talking about the impact of gun violence and suicide in this episode. If these are difficult topics for you, please take care when listening. is Amy Over, and this is Confronting Columbine. This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it, the glamour of the roaring 20s wrapped in a mystery that only you can solve. Dive into June Parker's captivating quest to uncover scandalous family secrets. With your keen eye for detail, find hidden clues and solve mind-boggling puzzles. It's all about observation, intrigue, and drama. But beware, each clue leads deeper into a thrilling storyline filled with danger and romance. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your adventure awaits. Confronting Columbine continues with Amy Over. I'm Nancy Glass. Amy, you lost 12 students and your coach during the massacre at school. There was another loss a year later. Who was Greg Barnes? Greg Barnes was a star athlete, and not only just a superstar athlete and basketball player, but he was a sweetheart. Everyone knew him because you knew that he was going places. Was he in your class? No, he was younger, but he was playing varsity sports. So I I was around Greg a lot, and he was being scouted by big schools. He was one of the kids in the science room with Dave Sanders. He actually saw Dave get shot. And he died a year later? He took his own life a year later. I reached out to his basketball coach, Rudy Martin, and we reconnected after all this time. Greg Barnes, a Columbine High student and one of the top basketball players in Colorado. Greg did survive the shootings, but one of his best friends did not. Greg, among several students who tried to keep a girls basketball coach alive. He was holding Coach Sanders when he bled to death. Greg took his own life. A CD next to him looped to play a song with the words, I'm too depressed to go on. Shock. Total shock. Were you there that day uh, in 1999? Yeah. Yeah. We heard firecrackers. We didn't know what was going on. So we went up to the hallway to kind of look in the cafeteria to see what was going on. And we could see students running past, but a teacher turned the corner and said, get out, get out, someone's got a gun. So we got out pretty quick into the parking lot and hid behind some cars until the police said, get out of there. Little did we know they had two cars with bombs in them. I really wanted to talk to you. I always loved watching you, Coach. I read about you made it into the Hall of Fame. For the Jeffco Hall of Fame. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's an honor. There's a lot of good people in it. You were such an 
impactful mentor to those boys. Over the course of doing this podcast, like yeah. we just started really diving into Columbine and Greg Barnes' name keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about Greg. Mm. There was Mr. D. And then Greg Barnes was one of the kids. Uh, he was in the classroom with Dave Sanders and we tried to keep Mr. Sanders alive. And I just can't do it. All of a sudden, his dad comes home and Greg's hanging from the rafters. He said, I can't live with these images any longer. And he took his own life. Lou Martin, the guy who let me into his house. You know, the kid had so much to live for. He was Mr. Colorado basketball. He's the best kid in the state. And my basketball crew. So my little sister and him kind of dated for a while. And he was actually in the same classroom as Cammy with Coach Sanders. My little sister went to counseling right away. Everyone kind of had their way. I don't know what his thing was after with all that or how he kind of processed and dealt, but... May 4th and took his own life. I think that just was such an impactful moment when he passed. I just never understand suicide. We're talking a lot about mental wellness and taking care of ourselves and recognizing signs when people need help. And we're finding after a school shooting, communities are struggling with suicides. Mm -hmm. Parkland's had two already and they're three years out of their shooting. Greg Barnes, we're just hearing his name and I want to talk about him and I didn't want him to be forgotten. Yeah, and and I don't either. I still get real emotional when I think about it. So, very hard. I know, I had to put Greg in a box for a while. I'm confronting a lot of things with this, hence confronting Columbine. Yeah. But I'm right. confronting a lot of things that hurt me oh, yeah. 21 years ago. Yeah. Greg's suicide took precedence in me over the shootings, just sadness and thought and depression. I mean, that was kind of my thinking with the shootings, he was in the science room with Sanders when Sanders died, so he was actually even helping him. So he had to go through that and carry the burden. He even thought about transferring, just getting out of the building because it was so hard, but he didn't. He was a loyal teammate, and in the end, he wanted to stay there and try to fight it out. Yeah. I had to compartmentalize Greg's death, Mm -hmm. it messed me up so Mm -hmm. bad. The last time I saw Greg was awful because I worked at 24 Hour Fitness and he would go in and play basketball. Well, that day that he came in, his membership had expired and my boss was standing right there. And I'm like, hey, Greg. And he's like, hey, Amy. He's like, like, hold on here. And my boss is looking over my shoulder and he's just being a total asshole to me. And he's like, hey, his thing's expired. You can't let him into play. <laughs> and I was like, come on, dude, seriously. And I'm like, Greg, I'm so sorry. I'm like, could you call your dad right now and like pay this amount on here and, right. you know, get in? And I was like, dude, if my boss wasn't here, I'd let you in. And he's like, F you. And he literally left, stormed out. And that was my last interaction with oh. him. It haunted me, and I went to his funeral, and I just drove, actually, on the way here, drove past St. Francis Cabrini, and just all the emotions 
come back. I didn't realize he was suffering so bad. And neither did I. And that was one of the things that bothered me the most is, other than his mom and dad, I was probably the next closest adult to him. I mean, we had talked almost every day, not just during the season, but the off season. He was always coming in to get films and talk about what we were gonna do. And he was a smart kid. Was there any sign that something was wrong? I know his dad had called me and said he's, he's worried and this was the week of and probably a week and a half before he was trying to get him in to see a counselor and that happened just this little time period before that but other than that we, we, we saw nothing but a happy determined kid he's a straight-a student in addition to putting so much time in the game. We'd always do pickup games with the guys yeah. and stuff, and he was just, oh. not only was he an amazing basketball player, he was a great person. That was something that when I think about Greg, you know, as a coach in high school, you're dealing with a lot of egos. And Greg was humble. He was nice. I'd never heard him say anything mean to an opponent or to a teammate. Just a real sweet kid. He was younger, but colleges were already looking, right? They were. There were a lot of bigger schools. I, I know Vanderbilt, Utah, Texas A&M. He, he died on a Thursday and Monday. Before that, he went to visit DU. Denver University. Right which was a low division one school. So he had a lot of bigger schools after him. And this is May now. And on Tuesday, he came into my classroom at lunch. You mean the Tuesday before he passed away? Yeah, and it was just he and I. And he said, I'm gonna go to DU. And I said, whoa, wait, we've got summer to get through. Don't you wanna kinda wait? No, I, I figured out with my parents, they, they can see me 12 times, and there's two games that are pretty close, 14. I like that, I like school, so I'm gonna go to DU. And I think I did tell them, hey, I wanna just hold off, just yeah. reconsider. But I do remember at the end of that conversation, he said, hey coach, can I take a couple films? I had all the films on VHS in my room and I said yeah yeah I'd grab a couple that you want and he, and he said hey coach do you mind if I take the box yeah just make sure they all get back I can use them for your recruiting so make sure you get them back well before his death we could see he had watched he had stayed up and watched all those films wow. in the last couple of days and they were all scattered on the mm -hmm. floor and he obviously was watching those games This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before 
where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. You hear that? That's the sound of another sale with Shopify, your go-to for selling everywhere, online, in-store, and even on social media. Shopify POS is like the central hub for your retail operation. From payments to inventory, it's all there. Got different gadgets? No worries. Shopify's hardware is adaptable, fitting in just how you do business. Start transforming your retail business with an incredible offer. A trial for just $1 per month at shopify.com Wondery. All lowercase. That's shopify.com Wondery. Take the leap and upgrade your point-of-sale solution with Shopify. Visit shopify.com Wondery and start your trial today. He kind of was a, a little bit of a late bloomer. But the one thing I remember about this kid is he had a motor. He had speeds. And not all players do. They kind of chug along at 90%. Not great. When he kicked it into high gear, it was amazing. And he played and, point guard, right? Well, he played any position he wanted. Really, that's how good he was. I learned right away how tough he was mentally. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be one of the star players, that comes with it. You've Mm -hmm. got to be mentally tough. Of course, it was his junior year. And it was Bear Creek. And and we won. And it was a a pretty good game. I thought we played pretty well. And we got in the locker room. And I could see Greg kind of had his head down. And we just won. Yeah. And so after everybody left, I said, hey, Greg, what, what gives? And he said, oh, nothing. He said, I was 7 for 12 from the foul line. And I said, Greg, you're, you're going to have nights like that. That's okay. Well, the next day was Saturday morning, and we had practice. And he was always the first one there. And he said, hey, Coach, 91. I said, 91 what? <laughs> he said, I was 91 for 100 last night in my driveway. Went home, shot a hundred free throw. And so I just said, good for you, Greg, good for you. But that's, that's, that was great. I You've mean, just driven. Just so driven yeah. and worked so hard. And it showed. It was so fun to watch. Yeah. It shocked us all. And to go through April 20th and then a year later, yeah. lose the star basketball player, right. the, just such a great guy. How did you find out that Greg was gone? That was really hard. I, I went out to lunch, and I kept feeling my phone buzzing, and I didn't pay any attention to it. I mean, no one had cell phones before the shootings, and after, we all got them. Yeah. <laughs> and I finally looked, and there was about 10 calls from my teammate, Tim Capra. And so I called him back, and he said, they said at school a star athlete died they think it might be suicide and he said i i think it's greg you better get over the house right away and so as soon as i got there there was a crowd of people in the front yard and uh it was hard 
Yeah. Yeah, that was hard. A lot of crying. My therapist, Dr. Gary Borgeson. Mine too. He helped me. Right. He helped me through that and talked about details and stuff like that. But it was really hard. I just couldn't believe it. Still kind of in shock, you know, very Mm -hmm. difficult. And really kind of trying to decide where to go kind of made my decision to not come back. I just didn't feel I could give the team what they needed just because emotionally I was uh, I was in a tough place mm-hmm. and they deserved something else. I gave it a long thought, but I resigned at the end of June. Those last few years, it was just kind of Walking through the halls was tough because of the shootings and and now Greg and and I know Greg's younger brother was just about to enter high school. His name is Doug. And I just thought, I can't walk down the hall and see Doug and not come unglued about Greg. I think it's better to go. What do you want people to know about Greg Barnes? Well, that he was such a good kid. He was very humble and very appreciative. People wanted to be around him. His junior year, he was all state and the Denver Post only picks five kids and the other four were seniors. That's amazing. It was. Will you tell the Barnes burner story? It was after a huge game against Westminster. The article says Rebels win a Barnes burner. Columbine gets 33 points from Greg Barnes over Westy. And here's the first couple paragraphs. Chicks dig Greg Barnes. (laughs) And why not? The kid has a nice arsenal of basketball skill that includes huge ups, good defense, and a shot that rips nylon from all angles and ranges. After the Columbine's spectacular victory over Westminster last Thursday, Barnes, who roasted Westy for 33 points, found a crowd of media eager for his thoughts and one spectator that wanted his phone number. While an autograph and a kiss on the cheek may be rare, after a high school match. It must be stressed that this was not your standard prep game and that girl was from Westminster. Gave him her phone number. Greg didn't know how to act about that. (laughs) And then- He was awkward. That wasn't Greg. He spent too much time playing basketball to have that girlfriend relationship. I wonder if the trauma from the shootings and the expectations for him to perform on the court were overwhelming. It's a lot. That could have been an issue because he was averaging 26 points a game. And it's like, that's pressure alone in itself. So I think on the basketball side of it, yeah, there, there was that, that part of it. Dave Sanders and the whole incident It's just so hard to know how that impacts kids. I I know it did with Greg, but to what level? I have no idea. It's still just too emotional for me. 
I can't imagine what you went through. I'm sorry that you went through that. It still lingers. It does. It's still there. I'm yeah. just really glad we got to talk about him yeah. today. It's a lot of yeah, healing me for me too, you know. Well, it's been it's been a tough few days knowing I was coming in here. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's still hard. Whoa, Memorial Day! That means summer is here, and if you're struggling to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so of every day, dedicated to my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake, and then I go crush a workout from one of the 120 programs on the Body app and just follow along day by day. So here's my special offer to you. Because it's Memorial Day and I want you to get started now, the next 5,000 new subscribers who sign up for six months get the next six months free. That's full access to over 120 programs. So don't wait. See how fast the pounds can really come off. And if they don't, you can get your money back, no questions asked. Just go to body.com to buy six months and get the next six free. That's B-O-D-I.com. I wanted to talk to somebody who really could help me understand a little bit more about teen suicide. Partly to understand what happened to Greg. He was obviously suffering. Teen suicide is something that's really, really a hard topic to, to understand. And I have three teenagers living in the house. I found a wonderful lady, Dr. Paramji Joshi with a ton of knowledge on this topic. And she's currently a staff member on the University of California, Irvine. She's dedicated her career to kids' mental health. You heard the story about Greg Barnes. Yes. I went to high school with, with Greg. I played basketball with him. Greg, he, he looked like he was holding everything together after his trauma. You know, so one of the most painful things I think uh, that we have to grapple with is the fact that when you have physical injuries, you can see them. But emotional injuries are internal scars that you don't see. And we're so dependent on what the person tells us or doesn't tell us. Somehow they were, you know, they didn't die in, uh, in the incident. And somehow they have to hold it together for whatever reason. It could be a multitude of reasons. It's kind of the survivor guilt in some ways. I have to do whatever I have to do to make it. I was lucky, I, you know, I was not killed. But then there's so many other factors and variables in one's life. And so there's some, you know, who manage and move on. There are others who really get impacted by other things that happen in their lives. Kids are under a tremendous amount of pressure, whether it's social pressure, academic pressure, family pressure. And so it's really hard to gauge who might be unable to handle it and who might be able to. I mean, that's kind of a million dollar question. And I think the other parallel to this is that there's a lot of stigma about accessing and asking for help. And that's really, really unfortunate. We have made some dents and a, and a lot of that has to do with education and public impressions. I think politicians need to understand it as well. Because if politicians understand it, then there is funding that follows. Definitely. 
For a teenager who is exposed to that level of violence and trauma, is there some kind of standard care we should be looking at? There is some research to show that if you have direct exposure to trauma, the impact is far greater than if you if you hear about it. And so in, in Greg's situation, he was right there. You know, he saw it, he felt it, all his five senses were impacted. And some of this research was done after 9-11, you know, in, in the kids in, in, in Manhattan. And the kids who just kind of saw it on television versus those who actually were in the area were far more impacted and had higher rates subsequent to that of uh, depression and panic attacks and social anxiety. You said there could be other factors that impact an outcome in response to trauma. What are some examples of that? Does the individual access care? Then there are other psychosocial factors, family or you know your spirituality or your religion. I always say kids sit on a kind of a three-legged stool. You know, you have your family, you have your school, and you have your friends. If any one of them is wobbly, the person, uh, you know, is not being supported in that way so that they can be comforted, scaffolded, and move forwards. That's a great analogy. When you hear about a mass shooting, you also hear that counselors are brought in. Mm-hmm. We had counselors brought in after after Columbine, um, you know, almost 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. But you said it was counterintuitive since we tell our kids not to talk to strangers. Should we expect kids to suddenly confide in strangers coming into their community? You know, that is really tough. If there are a group of uh, professionals who are really going to become part of the school uh, culture and um, are going to be there for a period of time, then the kids can start to trust them. So, for example, if we have some school psychologists or social workers or, you know, other mental health providers, the kids get to know them. You know, we don't just talk to a stranger. We ordinarily don't. Mm-hmm. I think the school uh, teachers and authorities mean well, but in the long run, it's putting a band-aid. So my suggestion really would be that if, in fact, you're going to bring mental health professionals into the school, they need to be there for a period of time. You know, I always tell my patients, finding a therapist, including myself, is like dating. It is. <laughs> you, 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 really, you need to feel comfortable. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with the therapist or with the, with the young person. It's just, it's kind of, do you, do you jive? You know, do you feel you can really talk to this person and open your heart out to this person? <laughs> I live in a a nice affluent area here in Colorado, and I read somewhere we have like one of the highest suicide rates in the nation, but nobody talks about it. Mm -hmm. Suicide in teenagers is the third leading cause of death, you know, and that is after um, motor vehicle accidents. Why do kids, you know, choose to uh, take their lives? It's a multitude of factors, really, but one of the most important ones is either a mood disorder or a severe anxiety disorder. They have trouble sleeping. They start having trouble concentrating. You know, they withdraw from activities that they normally enjoy. They lose interest in things. If you can identify the symptoms of depression in youngsters, then we can at least reach out and and get some help for them so that we never reach that point where, you know, they feel they are so despondent and so overwhelmed with their feelings of sadness and hopelessness and helplessness that they feel that there's no way out. As regards 
depression and anxiety and PTSD and uh, bipolar disorder have clearly shown that a combination of an appropriate medication and evidence-based psychotherapy has the best effect than either alone. Give ourselves permission to seek help and have society not push back or think of you in a negative way. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of work ahead of us. Dr. Joshi, thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. On the next episode of Confronting Columbine. I'm a survivor of the largest mass shooting in U.S. history. I talked to the guy for like a few messages. He asked me if I would wear the outfit that I wore during the shooting oh. on a date. For more information on The Rebels Project or to donate, please go to therebelsproject.org and see me there. Want to know more about the Confronting Podcast? Please follow us at Confronting Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for photos, additional content, and discussions about the podcast. We are all confronting something, and I look forward to continuing the discussion from our episodes over social media with all of you. If you enjoyed this one, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for going on this journey with me. Confronting Columbine was produced and hosted by me, Amy Over. Executive produced by Nancy Glass, Andrea Gunning, Ben Fetterman, and Carrie Hartman. Produced by Julie Clark. Associate producer, Trey Morgan. Editing by senior audio editor, Matt Dovecchio. Editor, Drew Wallace and Dean Welsh. With production assistance from Megan Paisley and Brianna Fars. Other members of the production team include Kristen Melcuri. Pete Ward, and Natalie Thomas. Music and original composition by Mide Music. Special thanks to CBS4, KCNC-TV, Eric Christensen, Doug Otwell of MileHighSports.com, and Mikey Rotolo. Confronting Columbine was produced by Glass Entertainment Group, Glass Podcasts in partnership with Wondery. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries. And as the name suggests, it's a show about medical mysteries, a genre that many fans have been asking us to dive into for years. And we finally decided to take the plunge, and the show is awesome. In this free weekly show, we explore bizarre, unheard of diseases, strange medical mishaps, unexplainable deaths, and everything in between. Each story is totally true and totally terrifying. Go follow Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.